Today we're gonna we're gonna really start on step eleven, but we have to put it into perspective with uh, step ten. We spent uh, I think three meetings, uh, quite a bit of time on eighty four and eighty five. It seems to me that uh, I know we have a lot of discussion meetings, and nobody asked me my opinion, but. If I was going to do a discussion meeting, I would just do 84, 85, 86, and 7, and 88. Uh, I, would just do, uh, I would just do meetings on that, on how we live a uh, God-centered life. And the instructions are here. Page 84 is the instructions on how I live in the now with God each day and how I watch for my self-centeredness and there's it steps four through nine and it's 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 seven or eight lines it's very simple if i'm in the now i'm with god and i watch for when i'm separating from god and i'm in resentment selfishness dishonesty or fear and when i'm in those when i have that thinking i'm into self and it says i ask god it wants to remove it and then i discuss it immediately with someone else so we're doing four and five and six and seven, and then I dis and I make amends if I need to or I forgive. It doesn't say forgive in the book, but we, basically you do the prayer on page sixty six, sixty seven, and you forgive. Doesn't mean you excuse, but you forgive right away. So you've cut the string like somebody said, and uh, and you forgive or you make amends. And then you turn your thoughts to someone you can help. Turn away from your self-centeredness to God. Now, if you do that, love and tolerance of others will be your code of living, and your life will be of uh, peaceful, and your promises will come true. Now, the next paragraph uh, we reviewed is the recovered promises. So if you're doing the stuff in step 10, and you uh, stay in fit spiritual condition, which means you're, you're uh, trying to be in conscious contact with God in the now, then the problem with alcohol has been removed. You will react sanely and normally. Uh, you're not cocky or afraid. You've been in a position of neutrality. Now, recovered is a fragile condition. Recovered requires you to be working 10 and 11 all the time. And if you're doing 10 and 11 all the time, then you'll stay connected to God, and then you will be able to see the truth about alcohol. <clears throat> but you're only going to do that if you're in fit spiritual condition. So if you're not following these, these directions and you stray into self, you're not in fit condition. And then who knows when the, at certain times the thought of alcohol will come into your mind and you'll, you'll, you'll drink. Now, the, the, on 84, on that one paragraph, is how you inventory the now all day long. When 85... In, the, in that second paragraph is the meditation on how you lead a spiritual life and stay in the now. And so one follows the other. And what it says is, if I let up on the spiritual program of action and rest on my laurels, I'm in big trouble. Big trouble. Because alcohol is a subtle throw. Now, alcohol is in a bottle. It's an inert substance. How can it be a foe? Because my mind will seek the comfort of alcohol if I'm not spiritually fit. 
and I'm separated from God. And it says I'm not cured, I have a daily reprieve. So I have a daily reprieve based on how I stay in fit condition. And then I monitor my condition all day on page 84. You see how it works? Mm -hmm. And then I monitor my condition, and then 85 gives me the vision of how to do, how to stay with God. Because it says, every day is a day when I should think about God's vision. It doesn't say that. I must carry it. I have to carry this vision with me all day long. So I meditate on that every day. What is my vision of God's will for me? And if I follow that vision, then 84 doesn't, I don't have too much to do all day long. Does that make sense? And so how well I carry out God's will determines how much I have to actually, actually do on the daily inventory. Because we're going to look on the next page, the inventory at night is in the 11th step, is where we inventory how well we carried out God's vision during the day or not. And then what corrective measures. So it all ties together. These, these three or four paragraphs are the, are the whole deal. How can I best serve God? His will, not mine, be done. Now, uh, why is that important for me to meditate? Because my will... To, to get satisfaction in my instincts of life caused me to be separated from God and to have wrong thinking and to have resentment, fear, and harm people. So I don't want to have my will uh, anymore being in running my life. My will, when defined in the big book, when it's self-will, is trying to satisfy what I think I need to be happy. And we read yes, yesterday at the... Uh, at the noon meeting on the 12 and 12, how we have instincts of life, and when we're living on self, they're out of control how we try to fulfill them. Now, it says now, I'm an 85, if I carry a vision of God's will, and how I serve him, not me, these are the thoughts which must go with us constantly. There are two musts here. I must carry the vision, and I must carry the thought of how I can serve God, not me. And if I do that, then I don't have too much to do on page 84. I'm not into, I'm not being uh, manifestations of self. I may watch for fear and see it start to crop up, but if I'm doing this vision and his will not mine, I'll see it right away and I'll stop. So I don't get too far off the beam. Now here's when I get my willpower back. On page 85, it says, I can exercise my willpower along this line all I wish. It's the proper use of the will. Look at the words. The proper use of my will is to serve God, do God's will. And if I'm not doing that, it's not the proper use of my will. That's why willpower never worked. Because it was willpower to fix my life and run it. So powerful stuff. You see how 84 and 85, it's just like page 24 and 25. 24 tells you that at certain times you have no defense against the next drink. It basically tells you you're going to drink again without God. And page 25 is the solution. What does it say, Norm? None of us like... None of us like it. The living of our pride and the fashion of the shortcomings of the process required. Exactly. And so... Um, so it said, much has already been said about receiving strength, inspiration, direction from him who has all knowledge and power. You can call God anything you want, 
but God has all knowledge and power. And if I get strength and inspiration direction from him, my life will be of service and peace. It says, if I have carefully followed directions. So you don't get this by praying in the morning. You have to take the actions uh, all day long of 84 and 85. And if I follow his directions and do the step work and do four through nine all day long and 10, I will sense the flow of his spirit into me. I will have this, this power in my life. And it says, I will become God conscious. My, my big problem was that I was unconscious to God. We say spiritual awakening. People say, well, what the heck is that? Well, I'm awake that there's a spirit in my life that's not me, that has a power to run my life. And when I turn to that power, my life is good. And so I'm conscious that there's this power there. That's all it is. And when I'm not conscious to the power, I'm back in me. And then I have to do a lot of work on 84. Because I'm in fear and resentment and dishonest all day long. And so I've begun to develop this vital sense. So I want to stay God conscious. So I want to do the vision all day, right? And I want to follow God's will. And I want to watch for when I'm separated. So you see how 84 and 85 tie together. Powerful stuff. I don't know how they wrote these one, two, three, four paragraphs. It's the whole deal. And so it says, I want to develop, I've begun to develop this vital sixth sense where I seek God all the time, right? And I must go further, and that means more action. So uh, 11 and 10 are done together. They're done all day. And on the 12 and 12, he says uh, that if you, could, if you uh, intertwine where is it? It's in here. I, I might be able to find it. I used to be smart. Uh, here, there's a direct linkage among self-examination, which is inventory, meditation, and prayer. Taken separately, these practices can bring much relief and benefit. But listen to this. When they're logically related and interwoven, the result is an unshakable foundation for life. And you will be granted a glimpse of the ultimate reality, which is God's kingdom, and will be comforted and assured that our destiny in that realm will be secure. Now here's the thing again, there's always a warning, as long as I try to find and do the will of my own creator. So how do I find and do the will of my own creator? I do constant self-examination, meditation, and prayer. And for those of you doing a long time, uh, understand the importance of those three things. So prayer alone won't do it. You need prayer, meditation, and then the self-examination, the inventory of the steps. So now I'm at step 11, and, and I thought this was funny when I first heard it, suggest prayer and medication, and somebody wanted to know, when do I get the meds? And uh, uh, we, we don't get the meds here. Uh, prayer and meditation, we shouldn't be shy in this matter of prayer. Now, these next three pages have three or four, maybe five suggestions. And this is how they suggested we pray and meditate. And the meditation that they're talking about is different than, you know, lighting the candles and chanting and listening to my breathing. And I'm not saying that's good or bad. But let's see exactly what they're talking about in, when they wrote this book. It says we shouldn't be shy in this matter of prayer. Better men than we are using it constantly. 
It works if I have the proper attitude and work at it. So what's the proper attitude? The proper attitude is to be God-centered prayer, not self-centered prayer. So they're going to tell you on the next page that you probably should pray for yourself and your things that you want. To be God-centered when you pray, with the humility of your seeking God's will, that you're, you're going to stay out of self. And, and that takes time. But uh, the more you do it, you learn to uh, change the way you pray from when you prayed before you came in the door the first time. And, you know, just God save me from the mess I've made. And you learn this attitude. And we're going to look at what that attitude requires in this, uh, the next uh, few paragraphs. It's easy to be vague about this matter, but they give you some definite and valuable <coughs> suggestions. And uh, I follow these suggestions and I meditate on these pages, 84 to 88, basically every morning. It doesn't take long once you've done it a long time. It, the instructions are very simple. So the first thing they talk about is the nightly review, which a lot of people thought is in step 10. It's actually in step 11. It doesn't make a difference as long as you do it. The nightly review, you're going to constructively review your day. You're going to review what you did on page 84. And you're going to look at how well you carried the vision of God's will into your activities and how well you followed his will, not your will. That's all you're doing at night. So at night, you're going to look at the day and say, well, how would I do? And then it, it asks you some questions. Was I resentful? Selfish, dishonest, or afraid? Those are the four things that we look at in step 10 during the day. Well, I look at night. Was I resentful? Was I selfish, dishonest, or afraid? There's usually some manifestation of self in all of my days. I don't think I had a day where I didn't. If you do, let me know. Uh, it's pretty hard not to get judged, not to judge something, not to think of some self-centered thought. Uh, dishonest is to me is when I'm playing God. I'm being dishonest to myself. And, and fear arises as a, like anxiety, a little worry. Something will happen and you'll, you'll get a, a moment, gee, you know, what's going on here? Uh, now, you may have a lot of those or a little of those. How well I carry the vision and do God's will determines how well my day goes. And if I get resentful, I, I may get resentful for a few seconds or minutes, but I'm not consumed by it. But some days you, you've gotten off the beam and you're going to look at it at night so you can be rid of it. Does this make sense? Do you owe an apology? Did you do some behavior based upon resentment, selfishness, dishonesty, or fear that you have an apology? Uh, have you kept something to yourself which should be discussed with another person at once? So here's another way of doing steps four and five and eight and nine. Do you owe an apology? Have you kept something to yourself? Do you still have a resentment or uh, fear that you need to discuss with someone? Here's a great one. Was I kind and loving towards all? That's a great goal, isn't it? And so some days I do better than others. But what they're getting out of love and tolerance is our code of living. How did I do? Was I kind and loving towards everyone? If not, what could I have done better? Those are good questions. 
Was I kind and loving towards all as a vision of God's will for me? See, it's not a complicated program. It's all pretty simple. Love and tolerance, kindness and love. Uh, what could I have done better? If I was resentful, what could I have done better? If I was selfish, what could I have done differently? Six and seven. So you're looking at six and seven, eight and nine, four and five. And it says, here's a good one. I know nobody in this room has this, every answer is yes. Was I thinking of myself most of the time? Well, you know, uh, I may not be much, but I'm all I think about. Uh, that used to be the theme song of uh, before you get into the program. And it's hard not to think about yourself because we're, uh, we're made to be self-centered. And when we think of ourselves, we have to stop and become God-centered. And that's, that's how we do the deal all day long. And so w our goal is to be thinking of others. So this ties into turn my thoughts to someone I can help, right? When I get back itself, turn away from me. It doesn't say alcoholics, it's anybody. If you're in the line at Walgreens, be patient. Uh, I didn't have any problems at the food store this week or anything. Uh, the lines were good. They knew I was coming. Uh, you know, actually, I really don't. Actually, I really don't get bothered by much. But I have to use some examples. Uh, 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 anyway, um, was I thinking what I could do for others? of what I could pack into the stream of life. So what is my vision of what I want to achieve each day? It doesn't, you know, it's not, it's not uh, things anymore. It's, it's the doing. And the doing produces the serenity and peace if I'm doing God's will. And then the things are just the, the things we, we get from doing that. But if I go to, uh, to achieve things, and I get those, then my motives are selfish, and then things get screwed up. It says, I must be careful not to drift into worry. Worry is fear, remorse, shame, and guilt, or morbid reflection. I think morbid reflection is bad. Um, what they're getting at is don't beat yourself up because you're a human being. You're, we're all going to fall short of the glory of God says that in scripture, doesn't it, somewhere? And so we can't, we can't, we can't beat ourselves when we're self-centered, but we don't want to be proud of it. And we want to be able to see it. It's just like step four when you do the fourth column. What was your mistakes? Where were your selfish desires afraid? What could you do differently? So you look, you're doing the fourth column, and then you see how you couldn't be useful to others when you were practicing self-centeredness. So you want to, you want to, uh, you want to change that, and you want to ask God to change how you react to the situations. And because if you start getting back into yourself, then it's self-pity, self-resentment, and it's a form of self-centeredness. This morbid reflection of, oh, my, what happened, and oh, look what I did. It's another form of, of self-centeredness and self-attention. And then you can't be useful to anybody else because you're back in self. And then here's a good line that um, was in the book a long time before I actually uh, could see the significance. After I review all of this, I ask God's forgiveness. So people are always saying, well, how do I forgive myself? Well, we ask God to forgive us. Now, asking in the big book, remember, is based upon faith and trust, and we expect it to be, uh, to be delivered. So when you ask 
at this point in your uh, program, you expect God to forgive you. And you ask him, say, God, forgive me. And if we believe that God loves us, we're forgiven. And, and if we don't believe God loves us, then we keep beating ourselves up. Now, we uh, read on fear that our basic fear of not being trusting God is that somehow I feel like God didn't love me enough that I could trust him to take care of me. And that was an old idea. Now I know God loves me enough and I can trust him and God will forgive me. But I have to ask him. So I say, God, forgive me for whatever uh, manifestations of self when I separated from you. And, and Sandy Beach made a good, good point that God is really happy when we ask him to forgive us and we turn to him. That that's his plan for us. He lets us separate, gives us self-will, but he's really happy when we come back to him because it shows our humility and it shows that we're seeking to be connected to him because he gives us free will so you don't have to ask forgiveness. But when you do, uh, he's happy and you feel better. And then here's the, the line I forgot. Inquire what corrective measures should be taken. Now, here's a mistake I make. I don't know about you, but I tried to decide what corrective measures should be taken instead of inquiring. And so it's always hard for me to stop asserting my attempt to do God's will for me. And so I have to stop and say, God, what could I have done differently and meditate on that? And then sometimes you go to sleep, and in the morning when you wake up, it'll see. You'll see a change. Or uh, That happens all the time. When I ask God, and I, I, just, I just let it go and see what thoughts come. And, and it's amazing how the right thought will come, and we're going to see that on the next paragraph. So that actually ties in to the last paragraph. Now, does that make sense? This inventory at night doesn't take a long time. You don't have to write a tone poem. Uh, it's not going to be on CNN. Uh, you don't have to tweet it to everybody. Uh, this is before tweeting, by the way. I've never tweeted, so uh, there you go. Guess I couldn't be in the government. Um, now it says, on awakening. So this is the nightly review. You're reviewing how well you did on 84 and 85, right? So the nightly review is how well you did the 10th step, and that's the 11th step. And on awakening, that means when you wake up, when your mind is wet up, it says, let us think about the 24 hours a day. Is that a good idea? Everybody wants to think about their 24 hours a day when they wake up. We consider my plans for the day. But here's, here's the way they write this. Before you do that, <laughs> before you do that, you're going to pray. You're going to bring God into your life. This is the third step decision. And you're going to ask God to direct my thinking. And so I do that almost all the time. Sometimes I'll forget. I'll go five minutes. But I usually wake up and I do that first thing. I ask God to direct my thinking. Now, that's a form of humility. That's a decision to seek God's will in my life and to be under his care and direction. It means that I understand that I'm powerless to run my own life today. I'm powerless to keep from drinking today. I need God's help. It's not that complicated, but when you do that, your day is starting in the right track because you understand that you can't live in self. Ask God to direct my thinking, especially asking, again, the word ask, 
Because ask, I understand from the Aramaic or whatever, is to is is a a uh, expectation of something to be achieved. And and when I was studying the Book of James and the uh, Life Application Bible, they talk about when you ask with faith, it will be achieved. It's an expectation. And it says, especially asking that it be divorced. Anybody uh, know what the word divorce means in here? It's AA for AA, you know. It be divorced. Divorced from self-pity. Separated. A permanent court order that I be separated from self-pity. Self-pity means that I'm back at self and I'm, I'm feeling sorry for myself and life's not fair and look what they're doing and I'm seeing the world through a very sick pair of glasses. Dishonest, dishonest motives. Are my motives honest or not? And are they self-seeking? And it's my motives that I want to be divorced from. My motives needs to be a vision of God's will and all my activities, right? How can I carry out his will, not mine? I want to divorce it from my motives. Now, the problem is when you come in here, your motives were always good. Did anybody have bad motives? No. And then look what happened. You were trying so hard, and then these people just made your life miserable. Well, that's, that, that's the theme song when you come in the AA. But now we learn that it was my motives were based on self, and I caused conflict with everyone and everybody. And I don't want to do that anymore. So it's very simple. Ask God to direct your thinking, and your thinking be divorced from self-pity, desires, or self-seeking motives. Now, how, when, how do you know when your thinking isn't being divorced from self-pity, desires, or self-seeking motives? Well, then you're not carrying out a vision of God's will for me, and God's will for me and your, his vision for you might be different, is to be loved, patient, kind, tolerant, considerate, compassionate. How I be. And if I be that way, then my actions will follow. So how will I know when it's not? Well, I'll be in fear, resentment, right? I'll be dishonest. I'll be self-seeking. I'll be in conflict. I'll be disturbed. I'll worry. I won't feel good. It says, under these conditions, now you get your will back on page 85. Remember, the proper use of the will is, the, is a vision of God's will and how you can serve God's will, not yours. And then your thinking you get back on page 86. After you've done the prayer, you can employ your mental faculties with assurance. So I can employ my faculties and my thinking now when it's along God's line and it's divorced from selfish dishonest self-seeking motives you see it and so then my my thoughts will be based on God's direction and God gave us brains to use you know the story about the uh, brain that was for sale Did anybody know about that story they auctioned the brain and they had they had um, Einstein's brain and they auctioned it, and somebody bought it for a million dollars. And then they had an attorney's brain, and that went for two million. Then they had the alcoholic's brain, and it went for a hundred million dollars. So they said, why, 
why would you pay so much more for an alcoholic's brain than Einstein's? And they said, well, the alcoholic has never used it. <laughs> I heard that. I think there's some truth to that. Because we've used our braids, but we misuse them. Remember, our thinking centers in our mind. Remember, and, and our thinking is killing us. So we don't want our thinking to be along self-centered lines. And if our thinking is divorced from self, and God's directing it, then we can use it all the time. Now, in the beginning, you don't know what's your will and God's will. It's very hard to figure out. And so that sometimes you might discuss it with someone. You can look at your motives. Um, you could pause and ask God, is this your, your will or not mine? It says our thought life, here's another word that they added. They added thought to life. My thought life will be placed in a much higher plane when my thinking is cleared of wrong motives. Wow. So my thought life, which is the life that was killing me, is going to be on a much higher plane when my thinking is cleared of the wrong motives. So notice motives twice. And your thought life is the drama in your head, right? And so your thought life will be on a much higher plane. You'll be much more effective at doing what? Serving God and others and you'll have peace and serenity when it's cleared of wrong motives. Good stuff. I'm going to read a couple more lines and then we'll open it up because this is really good, good stuff. In thinking about my day, so after I've done the praying, I'm going to think about my day. And I, I, I started, when I started to do this, my days got a lot better. So I think about my day and I say, I may face indecision. And that's okay, right? Now, before I did this, I never had indecision. When a problem came, I had to fix it, right? But then I, 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 I've, I've learned through the years that it's okay to be indecisive. It really helped me in my work because sometimes very complicated things and you get hit right away in eight directions. And I just put aside and say, I'll think about that later. And sometimes the right thought would come at 10 o'clock at night or eight in the morning. and and I don't have to fix everything. I don't have to act all the time. I can pause. So this, this is a powerful thing. This is a meditation. So in thinking about my day, I may face indecision. I may not be able to determine which course to take. Now that's a form of humility, right? That I, I may be indecisive and I may not know. And it says, once again, I ask God. Notice it's over and over. I ask God for inspiration intuitive thought or decision. So I meditate on that. And then when I have a, a moment during the day, if I've done this meditation, I'm indecisive, I'll say, well, gee, God, what's the right thought? Give me inspiration an intuitive thought. And I relax and take it easy. I don't have to fix everything. I don't have to react to everything. I don't struggle. I'm often surprised how the right answers come after we've tried this for a while. Now, the next paragraph, which we'll go over next week, talks about how you may have these hunches and you may presume God's will and do all sorts of silly, stupid things. But after a while, you begin to depend on this and you get less reactive and you get more pauses and you, you get more intuitive on asking God what his will is for you. So all this paragraph is saying, I need to pause during the day when I don't know the right thought or action and ask God, and I don't have to run the world. 
So we'll open it up. I hope this was uh, helpful. I have to figure out how to turn this off. I have issues.